Welcome back, legions of listeners, to the Real Japan podcast for this week. I am one of the co-hosts, Kenzo. And I am Ferg. And as we do every week, we will be letting you guys in on the latest news stories in Japan and giving our take on how we feel. But first, we'll see what Ferg has been up to for the past week. Yes, sir. I'm afraid to say I've been a very naughty boy indeed. Well, you go outside? (laughs) Worse than that, I went outside and got in trouble with the police. No. Yes, sir. Uh Uh-oh. They got me in a sting, sting operation. What'd you do? went through a stop sign and they were hiding. And they caught me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> pulled me over and find me 7,000 yen. Oh, no. Was it on purpose? You just didn't see it? Or well, or so, was it like a rolling stop and they, they didn't yeah, like it? Yeah, I think I kind of stopped, but they said I didn't. And obviously, <laughs> you, can't, you know, you can't argue with them. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's like a road where you can see fully... Because the way the road curves around the straight road coming down, you can see both sides of the road very clearly from quite mm-hmm. far away. Well, so it's like a T intersection? or It's kind of like a T, but imagine more like a Y shape where the two ends are like curving away from the... Oh, okay. okay. From the junction where the stop sign is. And I rolled up to the stop sign. And I think yeah. I stopped a bit, but as I said, they said I didn't. And you just have to... Yeah, you can't really argue with them. Yeah. But, you know, I could see it was safe. Went through and then a policeman jumped out with his baton and said, hey, pull over here. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, so they weren't even in a car. No, they weren't in a car. They had one guy hiding, like, near the stop sign. Yeah. Uh, whom I didn't see at all. And, you know, the other guy waiting kind of, like, just along the road. Damn. Mm. Yeah. That's harsh. Is it going to affect your, um, uh, like, mm. do you get points or something on your license? or? Yeah, so this is classified as a minor offense, along with not wearing your seatbelt, which is one You were wearing your seatbelt? No, I was wearing my seatbelt, but that's a different minor offense. Oh, okay, okay. So if you do that, you get one point. I got two points, mm. which is a standard punishment for not stopping at stop sign and then there is another kind of minor offense i can't remember what off the top of my head but that's worth three points and you know speeding is not a minor offense i believe so that's probably four points i would imagine Mm. wow does it affect your insurance that kind of thing well it won't affect my insurance directly but in japan for listeners that don't know there is a kind of system called like the gold license system. Yeah. Oh, okay. And yeah. I don't have a gold license, which you get after being accident and uh, punishment or violation free for a certain number of years. I think five yeah. years, right? Yeah, it's five years. Yeah, because I, mm. I just recently got my gold license. Oh, did you? Yeah, it's been, I think it was five years, yeah. Well, it means that it will. I will not get that now. For I'll have to mm. do another reset which is quite annoying because the reset is like three years, right? So I'll renew my license, which I think is coming up this December. Mm-hmm. And then it, when I renew it again, I would have been eligible for a gold license then. Right, right, right. But this time I will not be. So I have to do another three years on top of that before I get a gold license. Damn. So in that sense... Like, it won't affect my insurance directly, but I could have been eligible for a gold license a bit earlier, which would have saved me a little bit of money. Right, right, right. But, that, okay, but it doesn't affect it directly then. So no. I, I didn't know that. I won't pay more. I just won't get a discount. Right, yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Yeah, he pulled the California stop, man. Can't do that over here, I guess. Yes, sir. It's kind of annoying. But it did cause me to go on their website and look at the... On the website of the Nagano police, sorry. Uh Uh-huh. And they do have some interesting 
statistics on there, which might be fun to talk about in a slow news week. Mm. But, you know, for example, they compile statistics on, like, the foreign drivers causing accidents and what nationality they are and all sorts of, you know, and they have, like, a breakdown of, like, the gender and the different types of accidents and all kinds of things. It's actually quite interesting. Hmm. And I did just pick up one statistic for you because I know it's a little bit of a a topic that we've talked about on this show before, but it seems that in general, over half of all accidents in Nagano Prefecture are caused by elderly people. Well, I shouldn't say caused. I guess it would be involved or elderly people. Mm -hmm. That Mm -hmm. uh, is classed as age 65 and over. It's usually, depending on the year, between 50 and 60% of of accidents are caused by elderly people. Okay. So that is something to watch out for if you're on the road in Japan. Yeah, one thing I I never liked about those statistics, though, Mm. is that... I, I, like, fairly regularly I'll see news, like, in the paper saying that you know the number of accidents caused by old people is is going up every year and it's like oh no but then you have you you can't look at that in a vacuum right because there are more old people like in overall every year because you know japanese society is there's just more and more old people That's so a good point. yeah like i i feel like that that number, like, it doesn't make too much sense unless, like, it should be, like, a per capita. Mm. Like, number of accidents caused by, I don't know, every thousand old people. Yeah, yeah. Right, I mean, that's the number that you, people should be looking at. Mm. I'll have to go back on the website and see. They might have that number. I'm not sure. I do remember offhand that they do have it for foreigners. Like, they'll say... I don't know, like Chinese people or American people or whatever, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. made up this percentage of the accidents, whereas they make up this percentage of the population. Okay. It does okay. say that kind of thing for foreigners, so I'll have to go back and see if it says it for old people. Yeah, yeah, it just ties into my whole um, mm. mis- my whole position that Japanese statistics are, are often very mm. misleading. Yeah. Um, uh, like another one is, is just in general, like the number of traffic accidents, like across the entire population per year, like they only publish like the absolute number, you know, Mm. it's like there were, I don't know, a thousand accidents in Tokyo in January or whatever the case may be, but that doesn't really tell you anything because like if people aren't driving, you know, then, like, what, what does that even mean, you know? Yeah, yeah, really, you need it by road miles traveled or something like that, don't you? Yeah, and, and I th- I'm pretty sure that's how, at least in the U.S., mm. that's how they're tabulated, and probably in the U.K. as well, like, mm. be- because that's the, that's the only way you can get an accurate measure of, like, how common accidents really are, is if you do it, you know, by per miles driven. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, I remember like during the whole, uh, national emergency, mm. like there were all these articles, like the number of accidents has gone down <laughs> Yeah, and people were singing in the streets, but it's like, dude, it's cause no, it's cause everyone's at home. Yeah. So yeah, I, I'm mm. not a fan of Japanese statistics. No, sir. Oh, well, how was your weekend? Were you also in trouble um, with the police? Or was it a quiet no, weekend for you? I I went out once. That's good. Went to a, a restaurant. Mm. Which, uh, you know, I guess is a luxury these days. These days. Yeah. But that yeah, was fun. You know, it was cool. I, I was talking to the the manager there, mm. who, who I'm pr- pretty good friends with. And, yeah, he was telling me that business is... Like like year on year, it's um, it's almost back to where it was. He was telling me. 
That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, he said it's still down maybe like 8%-ish mm. compared to, you know, the, uh, last year, mm. this time last year. But, I mean, that's that's pretty damn good. Yes, sir. Yeah, so I guess, um, yeah, it really seems like people are, for better or for worse, they're just like, screw it, and they're going about their daily routine. Yes, sir. That is interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Although it made me wonder, too, that, because he he runs a, uh, it's, it's like a local joint, you mm. know, but where I, you know, I think, you know, the customers, like myself included, were, I think we're more inclined because we have less opportunities to go out now. Mm. Right. So you're more inclined to kind of go to a place where, you know, maybe you kind of know the people there. Whereas I would not be too, I would not want to use one of my limited going out opportunities to go to like a, a chain style restaurant or yeah that is a good point hmm yeah so it's yeah it's probably hurting the big corporate types more than may, maybe in some cases you know versus like the more local places yeah that's interesting i suppose the places that you go to more casually you might think well i'll skip this and have have dinner at home tonight yeah, yeah. And I think there's very little and this is kind of an interesting thing about Japanese like restaurant and maybe mm. drinking culture is I I think there's pretty much zero brand loyalty to any of like the big chain operations. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, it's like whenever I like you like when I was younger, say, and I would go out drinking pretty frequently. Mm. Like I never once wanted to like go to a particular izakaya mm. because like they're all the same really yeah that's interesting yeah the chain places are certainly yeah it's like they're totally like it's a total commodity like there's mm. no difference like the prices are all the same the menus are all pretty much the same i mean i guess you could there's like two broad categories with the the chain izakayas there's mm. like the japanese style ones with like more you know fish oriented mm. and then maybe like the western style ones which is more like i don't know fish and chips kind of stuff yeah yeah you know i mean there's probably two broad categories but mm. other than that i mean they're they're all the same yeah that's interesting isn't it i suppose there isn't much brand loyalty yeah mm. like i don't um you know, like Watami is one of the big ones. Yeah. Right? I've never once thought, oh, I want to go to a Watami. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think how it is in the UK. But yeah, in the UK, do they have big chains like for pubs? There are some pub chains, yes, yeah, certainly. I mean, Weatherspoons is probably the most well-known. It has a kind of down and dirty image, I guess you would say. It's cheap, mm. but it does its job, so it's fairly uh, but, popular. I mean, is there... Is there any kind of brand loyalty there? Do people like say they want to go to that one or? I don't know, to be honest. I don't think so. I think people will just go because it's cheap. Mm, and you know, it's, right, it's, right. I mean, it's going to be okay. Yeah, I, I guess similar to how the, the Izakayas are over here. Mm. Like, because like, by and large, I think the chain ones are cheap. Mm. And, you know, you can expect a certain, there's, there's a floor to the quality, right? I mean, mm. it's not going to be bad. Uh, yeah. Whereas the, the local places tend to be maybe a bit more expensive. And it can be hit or miss if you've never been there before. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What about in the US? Would you say there is more brand loyalty in that regard? For like bars and stuff? I don't. I don't think so. Mm. I can't really think of any like big corporate like chains mm. Um, mm. for for like nightlife type establishments. Mm. Um, I, I mean, one that comes to mind is it's a, it's a place called Dave and Buster's. Yeah, which is um, it's like a an arcade for adults. Oh right, yeah. I guess they they got like arcade games and they got like pool tables and. Mm. 
you know, all this stuff. And they also have, obviously, they have alcohol. Mm. Um, but I think that's a case of, because they're really, and I'm, and I'm sure, you know, in different regions, it might be a different case, but I think by and large, they are really the only game in town where if you want to drink and, like, play games at the same time, then they're pretty much the only place that does that. Yeah, yeah. Because it, because you know, if you think about it, it requires a pretty big capital investment because you got to buy all the machines mm. and it, it requires a significant amount of floor space, you know, so you got to be able to rent out these big, big buildings. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. That's so, I mean, and so in that case, I mean, I guess more so than even brand loyalty, it's like they're, they're differentiated to where, you know, if you want that type of experience, then they're really the only ones that provide it. Mm. And other than that, like bars and clubs, I think, yeah, they're all, I mean, there might be small patches of, uh, you know, groups that operate in particular regions, but as far as like a national, you know, chain type thing, I don't, I don't really think there are Mm. any or any, any that are, you know, significant players anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Maybe a topic for further discussion, eh? Differences between yeah, drinking be. culture in different places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Right. Well, shall we move on to our little, as we discussed last week, our new initiative, our experimental initiative, our news roundup. Yeah. So, that, should, mm. should we do this? Uh, like I, I don't know. Like uh, before or after the the COVID bit. Hmm. Oh, it's up to you. I was thinking we could include the COVID bit in the news roundup, but okay. Yeah. Well. You. Yeah, whatever. Uh, whatever you feel like. Okay. So, the big story this week, which listeners, even those who only follow you know international news, will probably still have read about is that Yoshihide Suga, the chief cabinet secretary, has been elected president of the LDP. Surprise, surprise. Surprise, surprise. We talked about this in detail on our episode a couple of weeks ago when Abe announced his resignation. So interested listeners can go there for the details. But basically, the LDP controls the lower house, the diet, so... It is highly, highly likely, it's basically a given that he's going to be prime minister now. Yep. They just need to kind of approve it. You know, it's basically just a rubber stamp. He beat his rivals within the party, Fumio Kishida and Shigeru Ishiba, quite comfortably. Yeah, I don't even know why those guys bothered. (laughs) No. In uh, voting by LDP politicians and the delegates of local chapters. And... As we mentioned, this was pretty much a foregone conclusion. I think mm-hmm. all the commentators and things were saying, you know, it's highly, highly likely to be Suga, it seems. Oh, yeah. The reason for that is because of his support from a number of different factions within the LDP. Maybe we can do an episode on this sometime, but the way the LDP works is you have all these different factions controlled by these sort of you know, mafia Don-like figures. Yeah, basically you got like the five families within the within <laughs> yes, the party. Yeah. And, you know, Suga won the support of a number of large factions, including notably those of Toshihiro Nikai, who's the secretary general of the LDP, and Hiroyuki Hosoda. Those are two of the largest factions in the party. Mm-hmm. I mean, basically the issue with these factions is that they're not really accountable to the public in the same way that voting a regular vote by the public is, you know. Yeah, basically it's a 100% backroom. Yeah, exactly. Cigarette smoke negotiations. Exactly, yeah. I mean, these politicians do have to be elected into office by the the public in the first place. But once they get there, it is, as you say, kind of backroom negotiations. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, most likely, Suga will be forced to sort of repay their support in the form of, you know, enacting policies and things that they want to see and appointing 
you know, politicians favorable to those factions to his. And uh, giving cabinet. their shell companies government contracts. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So more of the same for the next year or so here in Japan. Yeah. We'll, we'll go from Abenomics to Suganomics, maybe. More of the same. More of the same. Although, you know, granted, mm. I think um, at, a, at a time like this, mm. more of the same is not necessarily a bad thing, I think. Uh, That's true. And, and to be At f- least for the next, you know, year, mm. year to two years, stability is probably a, a better thing to have than some crazy revolutionary... Yes, that's true. And to be fair, that is something that Suga has also pointed out himself in press conferences, the importance of stability given the fact that we are in the midst of a pandemic. Speaking of the pandemic, there were 441 new cases of coronavirus over the 24 hours prior to the 13th of September. It's now the 15th of September, so... That's a day or so behind because the statistics are, you know, a day behind. Yeah. This was the first time that we were below 500 for five days and it brought the total to 75,879. Not too much to say about coronavirus this week. The head of Shibuya Ward, Ken Hasabe, sorry, Hasebe, asked people to stay away from the notorious Shibuya Halloween celebrations this year. Oh, yeah, it's coming up. Because of coronavirus. Up, uh, Have you ever participated in those celebrations? Um, I, I feel like I've gone once. Hmm. Uh, way, you know, this was probably like 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, I think I went once. And the fact that I didn't go back probably says it all. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes, I mean, it. I'm sure... Listeners interested in Japan will have seen pictures and things from previous years, but it's always packed, isn't it, at Halloween with people in all sorts of funny costumes. But mm-hmm. as you implied, if if that's not really your scene, then it's probably a real Halloween nightmare, eh? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And also, in other kind of coronavirus-related news... Tokyo will become eligible for the go-to travel campaign on October 1st, according to politician Yasutoshi Nishimura, the economic revitalization minister. And Tokyo is also going to allow bars and restaurants and things to resume normal business hours as they, you know, lower their kind of alert stage from four, the highest stage, to three. What happened to Tokyo Alert? Mm, What happened to that, indeed? The interesting thing is that although we have gone down from the spike that occurred, you know, perhaps a month or so ago, if we compare Mm -hmm. the numbers, the coronavirus numbers that are coming out now with those that are coming out, that were coming out at the beginning of July when the government first started introducing all these different measures in Tokyo in particular... The numbers are not really that different. They're kind of similar. Mm. Mm-hmm. But anyway, it seems like, you know, t- so Tokyoites will finally be able to take advantage of the go-to travel campaign. What do you think about that? Uh, it's okay, I guess. I don't... <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> like, I'm just kind of over it at this point. Yeah. It's like, whatever, man. Like, like the government, they're just going to do whatever they want. Like, without any real... Like, there doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason other mm. than just pushing forward the economic agenda. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because like you said, like, conditions aren't that different than mm. they were two months ago. Yes. Yeah. And two months ago, they were you know, screaming in the streets. Exactly. Yes. But now they're just like, oh, everything's fine. Yes, a lot of it is perception, isn't it? Because then we were on the way up from right, yeah. like a low point around June after cases spiked in, you know, the first half of the year. Then they fell in yeah. June and then they appeared to be rising in, in July. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So as you say, there was a lot of worry. 
now we're kind of coming off the back of a big spike, so people are perhaps more relaxed. Yeah, yeah. About coronavirus, despite the numbers being somewhat similar. Yep. And just a final short item in our news roundup. So a man in his 80s was released from Kumamoto Prison after serving the longest prison sentence ever recorded in Japan. His prison sentence was 64 years, meaning he went into prison in 1959. Jesus. Jesus. I'm sure he had a big shock when he came out and saw how the world has changed, eh? And he was probably surprised. He was like, where are the flying cars? <laughs> yeah. Isn't that supposed to be a thing? Say, so, well, we haven't got flying cars, but we got TikTok instead where, you know, young people do dances <laughs> and things. So, Yes. Everyone expected flying cars and all we got was TikTok. Yes. Uh, imagine that, you know, we were talking about it before we started recording, but when he went in, you know, no smartphones, no computers, Everything would have no, been no color different. TV. Yes, sir. Yeah. And now it's all changed. Yeah, and we were talking about this uh, before recording too. But like, seriously, like he should seriously do a reality show. Mm, yeah. He's like, like I would watch that. Yeah, he's like a human time capsule almost, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Because. The other thing as well, for listeners kind of not familiar with the Japanese penal system, is that Japanese prisons, at least from what I know of, seem to be quite sort of set in their ways, perhaps, I suppose you would say. It's not like, I don't think he would have been very exposed mm-hmm. to yeah, the yeah. outside world or developments in the outside world at all, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, I think they're quite a bit more, Japanese prisons are quite a bit more isolated yeah uh, than in the west yeah you know you yeah. go to work in the factory in the day you you know come back and eat and then maybe you have an hour or something of your free time which is quite strictly monitored and you can read books or mm-hmm. something and then go to bed oh, i think they have tvs in their rooms don't they oh do they have tvs i, I think uh, maybe it depends on the mm. on the prison but i've i've read that some prisons at least have they have TVs in their rooms. Okay, well, if he has a TV, I guess it's not that bad. Yeah, yeah, but still, I mean, it's one thing to see something on TV. It's another thing to actually, you know, go out into the world. Yes, right? sir. So, uh, man, that's that's a trip, man. Yes, sir. Oh well, shall we uh, move on to yeah. our main stories for this week? All right, so I'll uh. I'll jump right in with mine. Mm. Um, this isn't really a... I guess it's just more of a, a platform for discussion. Mm. But So uh, Naomi Osaka won the US Open this, uh, this past week. And she's uh, one of the politically minded types. She uses her, uh, her fame from tennis to uh, let the world know about you know, societal injustices and uh, what was, I think a lot of people were uh, maybe etched in everyone's memories is she, she was wearing masks uh, at each of her matches that and each one had the name of an African-American person who had been killed by police brutality and yeah, and she's also been pretty active on like social media, um, you know, just talking about these issues. And you know, I I think that's that's fine, right? I mean, if she wants to use her her fame to to raise awareness about things, then that's cool. But but also on on the other on the other side mm. of uh, the way to view these things, like I don't know, like. And I'd be interested to get your take too, because you you watch uh, the footy, right? You like to watch sport. Yes, sir. Yeah, and I don't know. It's like when I tune in to like sports, you know, whether it's you know football or or baseball or or tennis for that matter. Um, 
for me, it's it's kind of an escape, right, from from reality, you know, because there's all these shitty things going on in the world. But you know, when I'm watching my, when I'm watching the Mets, mm. you know, get their asses handed to them again, um, yeah, you know, I I, I want to tune out the world. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But then, like, especially in the you know just maybe just in the past couple of years, it's really been been dialed up to where major sports. You know, both individual players like, like uh, Naomi Osaka and and just organizations in general. I know the NBA likes to get caught up in these things pretty frequently. Um, yeah, they like to kind of bring that in to sport. And, and like I understand it because they have these huge platforms and they're trying to use them for for what they see are good causes. And they often are. But then at the same time, like sometimes I just like I don't want to. Like I know these issues are there, right? I don't I don't need you to. To be shoving it down my throat, mm. you know what I mean. So yeah, I don't I don't know. It it, it like I get it, but it just kind of it rubs me the wrong way in in, in some respects. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? What do you think it is in particular about sport that that means there's this kind of inclination to sort of siphon it off from, or silo it off, sorry, from the, like, you know, the the news or whatever. Like, what if you had a movie or something or, like, music that mm-hmm. is, you know, kind of politically charged... Like, that's entertainment also, but I feel like it wouldn't be that controversial if someone was to... You know, there have been many examples of protest songs and things like that and, you know, movies and other, you know, TV well, I, programs I, and things that take up social issues. Would, yeah, hmm. I, I guess, in, in my humble opinion anyway, the, the difference there is that, like, when you... Like, say you're going to go watch a movie. Like, you... you you have an idea of what it's about going in. Mm. You know, so like in a way, you know, just by viewing it, like I, I think it's pretty rare that you have no idea what the movie's about before you watch it. Yeah. Like you've, you've at least seen maybe like you, maybe you've seen the trailer or like, you know, a friend recommended it to you mm. or whatever the case may be. So you, so you have an idea of the subject matter. Mm. So like you, you're okay. Like the fact that you're going to watch it means that you're okay with, you know, maybe thinking about those issues as you watch, watch the program. Yeah. Yeah. But with sport, it's, and, and I don't know, maybe this is just like the new, the new, the new way things are done. But I think when, you know, I'm, I'm not super old, but I'm not super young either. And when I was growing up, especially, I think sports were, it was it was an escape, you know, from from the daily grind. It was just something like you turn it on, kick back for a couple hours, mm. like yell at the TV, you know, just just chill out. Yeah, like, f- like forget all your troubles. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, there is kind of like, you know, like in the Olympics, for example, there's the whole idea that it should be free from sort of political affiliation or mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know politics and things like that should not take a part in the games i do think it's interesting that we have this view of sports that it should be its own thing and not involve yeah yeah like yeah. political concerns whereas maybe we don't quite do that for other forms of entertainment perhaps for the reasons that you mentioned you know we would just dis- yeah. hmm. Yeah, you know, maybe it's just like a maybe it's a tradition thing, right? Because traditionally, sports have not been involved in in these uh, worldly issues. Mm. Although, you know, they have like you mentioned, good old footy earlier, and like it's got a lot better yeah. in, in recent years. Although the problem does persist to some extent, but you know, racism has historically been a huge issue. In British football. You know, there have also been, like, other examples, like, you know, Jesse Owens and stuff, of 
yeah you know sort of like particularly racial politics i guess coming mm-hmm. to play in in sports and you know the fact that kind of like black athletes or or whatever like you know af- athletes of any sort of nationality or or you know race or creed or whatever can achieve amazing things that make people support them maybe put aside their usual prejudices can mean i think that sports can be quite powerful i mean i guess yeah mm -hmm, certainly yeah in osaka's case it's probably like you said like just the fact that she is kind of in a unique position and is using her status to promote issues that she feels are important do you feel Mm -hmm. like she should kind of keep that off the court then because like notably like she's like you said she's been wearing masks with the names of the victims of police brutality and things like do you think it would be okay if she was just writing about it on her twitter and talking about it in media appearances but not kind of bringing it onto the court or or what do you think uh, for for me personally Mm. i think that would probably be like a good middle ground Mm. you know if like if you want to be active in this stuff then that's you know that's your prerogative you can do whatever you want yeah. Uh, off the off the when you're not performing. Mm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's because I can really see both sides of, yeah. of the issue. Like on on the one hand, yeah, you know, she's a, a world famous athlete, right? She's uh, I think she's the highest paid f- female athlete in the world. Oh, is right she now? now? Yeah. Yeah, like if you include all her endorsements and stuff. Mm. Um, so, you know, obviously she has a lot of influence on the public. So, you know, to use your influence to, you know, advance these issues, I think is, is a good thing. Mm. But yeah, I think it, for, for me anyway, it'd be, it'd be, I think it'd be nice if she, uh, she did it on her own time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we were talking about it before we started recording, but uh, Naomi Osaka is a particularly interesting case, I think, because, you know, as a kind of mixed-race Japanese person, she... I do sort of feel that perhaps there's a bit of hypocrisy in, like, the Japanese coverage of of her now that she's very successful and, you know, has achieved a lot on the court. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know she's sort of all of a sudden like the, the media treat her like she's you know this Japanese superstar whereas you know as we discussed I don't know if they would do the same if you know if she wasn't as successful or you know if she's just an an average sort of mixed race Japanese person you know what you know how you know, society or Japanese people would look at it. I think it's a particularly interesting in a case in, in Osaka's case. I do kind of yeah, wish like a little bit that she would focus more on that because she has a unique experience in that kind of area. And I suppose it mm-hmm. extends to like racism in Asia more general, more generally, whereas there are like yeah, many, many yeah. people speaking out very loudly and clearly about like racism in the West. There's not so many voices like talking about that issue. In, in, in Japan and uh, other Asian countries. We have seen, like, for example, there was an advert, you know, where they sort of, like, whitened the tone of her skin in, like, a kind of cartoon representation of her. Mm-hmm. She's spoken out against that and I think a few other similar incidents as well, which is, you know, I find that quite interesting to see because, you know, probably if any normal person does it, the media just ignores them. It has to be someone who has a certain level of of uh, fame or status here in Japan mm-hmm, I do feel mm-hmm. for those kind of complaints to be picked up on yeah I I, I totally agree with you the um, uh, you know I, as shitty of a thing to say as it is uh, if she was just a normal mixed race you know a half uh, African American girl in Japan then they would push her to the fringes mm. of society. Yeah. Like they wouldn't give her a second look, but, but now that, you know, she's, she's famous and really good at what she does. Like now they welcome her in with open arms, you know, 
the way Japanese society operates. And, and also I think, you know, you mentioned she, you know, she could potentially push causes to, you know, raise awareness about racism in Japan, but like she didn't grow up here. I don't think. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, so first of all, she's probably, she probably hasn't experienced that really. And, mm. Yes, she's um, like it's not where her heart is, you know, because her heart is with you know these issues in in the U.S. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, it's a uh, it's a weird one. I don't know. Mm, yeah, certainly. Yeah, get, getting getting back to this whole idea of uh, sports people, mm. you know using their like on on the field on the court time to you know champion these agendas it's uh i don't know maybe that's just the way things are now i don't know yeah i mean for me personally i would say that the case of naomi osaka doesn't really bother me so much you know i get the sense she probably has experienced a lot of struggle growing up Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and probably some of that due to her you know, heritage or however you want to say it, but yeah, probably what annoys me more is like, um, you know, when you see these sort of like privileged kind of, I mean, usually white, like Hollywood celebrities who have never experienced like a difficult day in their lives and coming out and talking about the struggles that, you know, the black community or whoever faces. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, maybe I'm too cynical and maybe I should be more supportive because, you know, they're championing a, co- championing a cause that's probably good overall. But, you know, I, I can't help but be cynical and think that, well, you know, I'm sure that there's probably an element of them doing that, that because they think it's good for their careers, you know. Oh, yeah, certainly. They would rather be seen as liberal, like, you know, progressive. Um voices in the current sort of you know climate and in, in hollywood and in the media yeah general. well yeah because you got to figure there's no real downside to mm. you know su- expressing your support for racial inequality yeah exactly exactly i think and it's kind of the same when you know we see it with uh companies as well oh yeah yeah i did see a spread it was actually in a japanese magazine and it had like a a spread of all the different brands that had come out with these advertisements in support of Black Mm. Lives Matter. And it's quite alarming. You know, these are kind of like major brands that have been picked up in the, on in the past for using kind of sweatshop labor and things. Oh yeah. And now here they are like claiming to sort of stand up for, you know, under, Hey, well they they said black lives matter, dude. Yeah. They they weren't, they weren't talking about Bangladeshi lives. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, although as soon as, you know, Bangladesh, you know, Bangladeshi people, uh, you know, start campaigning for higher pay and, you know, some country in Africa or wherever opens uh, sweatshops or, you know, they decide that's a viable target. They'd have no qualms whatsoever about, you know, exporting their, their cheap labor operations to wherever it's oh, most profitable yeah. for them, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I feel like there's a lot of hypocrisy in the sort of the giant corporations and the very rich sort of support of these causes, you know, when in fact probably they're a large part of the system that contributes to, you know, certain communities and certain people being sort of downtrodden or underrepresented or, you know, oppressed or or prejudiced against yeah i mean it's uh like you were saying it's a it's a cynical way of looking at things mm. but it's, um and and you know sadly in a a lot of cases especially with you know the corporate types it's uh it's just at the end of the day it's it's all about the the dollars and the cents yes sir yes sir yeah i mean but on on that bombshell i guess we'll uh we'll leave it at that 
yes sir <laughs> we don't want, we don't want to get cancelled do we yeah yeah that'd be bad <laughs> it'd be bad oh well we would lose so, yeah. all yeah, our so. hundreds of thousands of listeners yeah man we would be thrown into the void of the internet yes sir <laughs> where we currently exist anyway <laughs> All right. But yeah, just some, just something to think about. So we'll yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll move on. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. The, so the next story I want to talk about is someone who should definitely be more than cancelled. Lock her up and throw away the key. I I say. This is about a sad case of Maria Takuchi, a 26-year-old unemployed woman from Kagawa Prefecture in Shikoku, which interestingly, here's a little bit of trivia knowledge for you. That is the smallest prefecture in Japan. In area oh, really? Yeah, so now you know, Kagawa Prefecture. They have uh, good noodles. Yes, yes, Sanuki Udon noodles, very yeah. famous. In a, a famous product from Kagawa Prefecture. I think That's were, pretty much the only thing I know about that prefecture. I think they're also famous for olives as well. Oh, really? Yeah, the sort of slightly warmer climate down there in the west and south of hmm. Japan means that they can they can grow decent olives there. But yeah, as you say, I think Sanuki Udon is probably the first thing that comes to mind for most people when they hear about Kagawa yeah, Prefecture. Yeah. Anyway, Takuchi, she left her six-year-old girl, Mayuri, and her three-year-old girl, who Yurie, you know, they were sisters, in mm. her car for around 15 hours. 15 hours? 15 hours. Can you believe that? This from approximately 9 p.m. on September 2nd to 12.40 p.m. on September 3rd, according to news articles. And, you know, sadly, this was an extremely hot day, September 3rd, mm. in, in Takamatsu, the city where this occurred in Kagawa Prefecture, with heat up to around 36 degrees when the children were found. It did later hit 37.6 degrees, which was the highest ever temperature recorded in Takamatsu in, in September, just to give you an idea yeah. of how hot this was. Mm -hmm. And uh, according to the articles that I read, Takuchi called an ambulance and said that her girls were limp in the car. She told the, um, you know, the, the operator, I suppose it would be, that she had left the car for about two hours and she was in a restroom because of, you know, a kind of condition that she had, an illness. Okay. And when she came back, she found the girls limp in the car. The paramedics... She didn't even crack a window? Didn't even crack a window, it seems. It, I mean, it wasn't mentioned specifically wow. in the articles, but there was no mention of that, so I assume she mm -hmm. did not. The paramedics found the girls unconscious in Takuchi's white BMW, which was parked in a kind of shopping and entertainment district near Kawaramachi okay. Station in Takamatsu. They took the girls to hospital, but sadly they were confirmed dead um, two hours later. Jesus. Yeah. The the car was kind of parked in a... So, well, according to the articles I read, the car was originally parked in a car park about 100 meters from the main road where there was no shade, so it was basically fully exposed. Mm, yeah. And it would have heated up very quickly indeed. According to the article, um, Takuchi, sort of before she called the paramedics or called the ambulance, she moved the car to a side street. So it sounds as though she knew she was in big trouble. So mm. she had her uh, dying or maybe already dead children in the car mm. and she moved it and then she called the yes, ambulance? Yes, according, according to the article. And the way it was written in the article was that the police found that out through their investigations 
you know, presumably wow. looking at the security footage. You're fucking psycho, man. Psycho. According to a witness, uh, you know, who this a witness described the scene. She said she saw paramedics giving CPR to the little girls on the street while a woman in a black dress looked on. Mm-hmm. And the next day, the woman, Takuchi, was arrested on suspicion of leaving the girls in the car on the at the times that I said, uh, resulting yeah. in their death by neglect. So, as I said, she initially said to the paramedics, according to the article, that she was um, that she had, you know, left the car for about two hours because of some kind of illness that she had, and mm-hmm. was, while she was in the restroom. However, the police asked in local bars and they checked security footage, and they saw her going between three different bars. So, you know, from starting from the night before, around nine p.m. Yeah, as I said yeah. on September the second. They questioned her on this, and she said she was drinking alone in those bars, but then they found out that in the third bar she met, or it seems, according to the article, that she met her lover with whom she was having an affair. She is, Mm. or she was uh, married. Then she spent the night in this man's house Uh and came back to the car. You know, as I said, just before calling the ambulance, she came back to the car, moved it, and then called the ambulance, it seems. She, apparently she told the police she put a cooler on in the car, although that seems perhaps false. Yeah. You know, I'm not sure, would a car run out of battery if it, or, you know, I guess it wouldn't be the battery, I guess it would be using gas, right? Yeah, you'd, have, you'd have to have the engine on if you're using the AC, yeah. Yeah, presumably that's going to uh, attract complaints from the neighbors if a car is running all night. I don't mm-hmm. know. What do you think? Would it even be able to do that, or would it run out of gas, do you think? Probably. I suppose you could have a car running for 15 hours. Yeah, if, if it had a full tank, you could mm. probably just leave it running for yeah, 12, 15 hours. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's outside of the realm of possibility, but I, mm. it's rather obvious that it was not running. Yeah. Yeah. The um, And apparently the man with whom she was having this affair claimed that he did not know the kids were in the car. Which I don't know. I guess there's no way of telling that. But, you know, he's got to yeah. be a psycho too yeah. if he did know that. <laughs> yeah, really. So, uh, according to what I read, the woman, Takuchi, was born in Okayama before her family moved to Takamatsu. She was the eldest of three siblings as a younger sister and a brother. And Mm -hmm. she was a member of the track and field club in school. But interestingly enough, according to a middle school classmate who was quoted in the article, she was kind of like a real idiot or something not quite right about her. Mm -hmm. Uh, This classmate described an anecdote of when Takuchi was doing the high jump and she like bit her tongue in a quite severe fashion, causing lots of bleeding. Oh. Mm. Which seems quite strange. I mean, I suppose that could just be an accident that happens to anyone, or maybe it is somehow indicative of her personality that she was not quite right or had something about her that would cause her to, you know, do something so terrible with such dire consequences. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She, according to the article, she dropped out of high school and later met her husband, uh, who was a scaffolder. Um, and in 2014, this man, her husband, set up a construction company. He was the president, and he made Takuchi, his wife, a director. Uh. It seems that the company did quite well because of orders from plant facility companies. The couple built an office and a home in Takamatsu in 2017, and they were known to be sort of you know, quite well off by neighbours, it seems, uh-huh. based on neighbours quoted in the article. They, although she was known as a kind of gyaru mama by neighbours, gyaru is like the sort of, how would you describe it? It's kind of like a, a word for describing kind of trashy woman, I guess you would say. 
I don't know. Is that yeah. too... Are we allowed to say that? <laughs> I, I think that's okay. Yeah. I think that's pretty accurate. Um, although, hmm. Like, one in, one interpretation is, hmm. is, yeah, kind of just these trashy mommies. Hmm. Right? But it can also be used in a positive way, too, I think. Where, hmm. like, mothers who look and act a lot younger than they are. Yeah. Like, like in, in a good way. Yeah. I mean, it, it can be used in, in a positive way as well, I mm. think. Yeah, I think in her case, it was referring to her, like, wearing kind of skimpy mini skirts and things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah, like heavy makeup. cars, yeah. Mm-hmm. The... However, it seems like a change kind of occurred maybe around spring of 2019 when she was elected a PTA officer and took on oh. a kind of leading role in the PTA in her mm-hmm. at her kids' school. I'm not sure what the leading role was, but I'm guessing it was probably like president or treasurer or secretary or something like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she seemed to kind of tone down her dress and go from these mini skirts and things like I described to like uh, you know suits like pantsuits and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, flat shoes but at the same time as I as I said according to the article she was having an affair and kind of going bar hopping yeah yeah you know according to the investigation the police investigation it seems she that third bar that I mentioned where she met her her lover is you know she would visit that bar around three to four times a week and wow yeah that's pretty frequent yeah so she like every other day basically exactly exactly and you know obviously her husband would be out at work at this time and when she had the kids she would drop them off at her you know family home her parents home with her yeah, yeah, yeah. mother and grandmother during the day and then come back to pick them up in the evening while she mm-hmm. was out you know running around drinking and and you know having her affair presumably right but yeah i mean you've got a feel for the husband in this case haven't you you know he's out working hard for his family building up this this company Mm-hmm. According to someone, you know, a neighbor or someone quoted in the article, he had he was covered in tattoos. The husband, even on like the backs of his hands, oh. but he really doted on his children. It said, so mm-hmm. you know, I mean, perhaps some readers of the article in Japan might have associated that with some kind of gang connections. Yeah, not, organized crime, yeah. It's not really clear. I mean, it could have just been a fashion thing. I mean, who knows? But. Could have been, but uh, you know, in in Japan, mm. if if you've got like crazy amount of tattoos, that usually means you've uh you've at least got some affiliations with with organized crime. And and I know that's a generalization, but mm. if if you've ever lived in Japan, I think you can kind of understand where I'm coming from when I say that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, so, hmm. you know, regardless, as I said, it does seem by all accounts that he kind of doted on his children, so I'm sure he's probably yeah. devastated. Oh, yeah, you sure. Know, I don't yeah. know whether this was the first time he's learned of his wife's affair, but, you know, that's just mm-hmm. throwing salt on the wounds, isn't it? I mean, as mm, if it yeah. wasn't bad enough yeah. already, but. Yeah, you said the kids were what, what, six and three or something? Six and three, exactly. Yeah, six and three. I wonder what, and you know, and I'm not faulting the children uh, in in any way when I say this, but mm. they weren't able to like you can't unlock the door from the inside. I don't, I don't know. Maybe they were you know just too young and couldn't figure it out, or they were just waiting for yeah, their guess. for their you know mama or whatever. Yeah. You know, or, or or maybe they were uh, they were asleep. 
That's true. They, and, they, and they succumbed to the heat, you know, while they were asleep. They might have done, yeah. Yeah. This I think is, that, that, that mm. probably makes more sense. I mean, Be, because I, I got kids. And yeah. They, um, and my youngest is three. Mm. But, like, he, like, because even, because, like, modern cars, and I, I assume, as you said, it was a BMW, so it's probably similar, but. Yeah. You know, when we, because when we were growing up, there was that, that, that little, it looked like a pencil. And you would push and pull on it to yeah. unlock the door. Yeah. You remember those? Mm. But but yeah, nowadays like, because most of it's electronic, the locks. Yeah. So there's no like thing to pull on. But if you just if you yank on the open handle mm. from the inside, even if it's locked, it'll still. Like okay. you yank on it once to unlock it, and then if you yank on it again, it'll actually open the door. Yeah. Or I'm sure it varies varies by car, but. Mm. Yeah, like six years old, I'm pretty sure if she was, you know, of able body when she realized that she was in trouble, she probably would have been able to open it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe the the woman, Takuchi, told them, you know, not to leave the car. Yeah. And, and you know, yeah. they were very kind of obedient or, or as you Could said, be. maybe Could they, be. you know, fell asleep before, you know, sort of, you know, and then... By the time they woke up, they were too weak to. Right, yeah, to do anything about it. Yeah. To do anything about it. I mean, there have been a number of sad cases in Japan kind of over the past year or so of kids. Yeah. You know, facing all kinds of abuse. And I think it's really something that, you know, the Japanese government and the Japanese public has been forced to kind of look at again. Yeah, I, like the ones that you hear about rather frequently are... Um, people going to pachinko, yeah. People going to gamble, and since these places are only open during the day, they'll they'll leave their kids in the car, mm. and they only plan on gambling for you know an hour, but they end up staying for like five hours, and then they come back, and the, sadly, the children are no longer with us. Yeah, yeah. Those are the ones that. I wouldn't say it's common, but you hear about it every now and then, the pachinko one. So that's what I thought when you when you said you were going to do this piece. I thought it was going to be another case of yeah pachinko, but uh, I guess it was close, right? Just drinking alcohol. You forget. Yeah. You lose your sense of time. And right, her affair as well. Yep, yep. It's, I mean, it's absolutely indefensible, isn't it? Leaving you know, two kids that young in a car for that long. Yeah, I I don't even... Yeah, I can't imagine, like, what... Like, the mindset of someone who would do that, you know? Mm. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a sad case, but, you know, kind of interesting, I suppose. And that's why I wanted to talk about it this week. Yeah. So are they? Uh, they're gonna they're gonna throw the book at her, right? I hope so. Yeah. I yeah. you know I hope she doesn't get off lightly for this. Oh well, yeah, she'll she'll have to do some time, I'm sure. Yeah. But well, um, yeah. Let's hope she gets what she deserves. I guess is the. Uh, the message here yes sir if there are any updates we will pass them on to our listeners although i mean the problem is because sentencing in japan is you know if you're arrested and prosecuted for a crime the conviction rate is like you know 99 percent. so yeah 99 percent. basically if you get arrested for something mm. they are pretty damn confident they're going to get the conviction yeah and this a side effect of that is that newspapers don't often report on court cases and things very much, even for quite, you know, major news stories. Yeah, yeah. You know, it'll be small items here and there. Because for all intents and purposes, the uh, like the arrest, like that's that's the end of the story because yeah, <laughs> the arrest equals conviction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But well, hopefully she gets a good sentence, and if there are updates, we will pass them mm -hmm. along, eh? Yep, that we will. All right. 
Shall we wrap it up here? Yeah, it's been a little bit over an hour, so we'll okay. I think we'll call it here. Sounds good. Yeah. Uh, thanks for sticking around to everyone who's still here. And uh, as always, you can continue the conversation with us on our socials, which is uh, Twitter and Instagram. Our username is Real Japan Guys on both of those. Uh, you can email us at mail at thereal.jp and find us on the web at thereal.jp. And find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. So we will see everyone again next week. Goodbye, listeners. Bye bye.